0: Hey friends, to be fair, life can feel like a mess with too little time. But on this podcast, we think through the challenges and make thoughtful everyday decisions. My name is Amy Kay, and this is To Be Fair. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 14. And today on To Be Fair, we're thinking about when breaking the rules is the right thing to do. Now friends, see if you hear any of yourself in my story here. I am a rule follower, for real. When I deem a rule worthy of being followed, I definitely follow it. I started off early as a rule follower too. I suppose this is true for most of us because we are concrete thinkers when we're young. So right and wrong is strong for most of us then. So like many of us then, I wanted to be right with what I did as a kid. When I didn't know the rules, I was diligent about finding them out. Here's a great exemplar of how much of a rule follower I was. When I was 14, I really wanted to know if it was okay to have sex before getting married. This was in 1990, so I couldn't just Google it. I really wanted to know the correct answer, not just what one of my friends thought. So I went to the best person I knew to ask, my minister. Now, this is how mainline Protestant churches typically worked in the 90s, and many still work this way today. The worship service wraps up and the minister goes to the main door of the church to kind of greet people, tell them have a good week or whatever. And people tend to stand in line to greet the minister. There's usually a lot of things like good sermon, thank you, those kinds of like kind things to say. When it was my turn, as I was shaking hands with the minister, I kind of pulled him in a little and said, Hey, it's not okay to have sex before marriage, right? (laughs) To his credit, he didn't even flinch and he said that maybe we could talk about this later. (laughs) I accepted his answer and the next person offered him a good sermon and we all headed down to the fellowship hall for cookie time. When our pastor came down for his cup of coffee, I cut him off and asked him my question again. I clearly wanted to know. He thought maybe we should step aside where fewer people were right around us, and then I finally got my answer in the narthex. Now I was a freshman in high school, right? So I heard my minister's response with 14-year-old ears. A small portion of what he said was, The word for sex before marriage is fornication. Okay, this was new news. I had not known this word. (laughs) I was 100% tuned in. I mean, I remember this as plain as day, and he continued, the Bible says that it's a sin. Bingo. That was all I needed. My minister went on to say lots of other stuff that I'm sure was wise and would have been very helpful, but it was all wasted on me because I felt like I now knew the rule. I am that hardwired to be a rule follower, and I'm that diligent about finding out the rules. <laughs> Thankfully, I've had lots of fantastic education that has taught me to critically think and question, but I can still fall back into the rule following default when I'm not paying attention. And I can even double down to defend systems that were handed to me as givens if I'm not like tuning in and thinking. Maybe you understand what I'm talking about here. Many of us who are, quote, successful, excel at navigating systems in our culture. We can follow the cultural rules. Here's why I've been stuck on thinking about this lately, my friends. I'm a minister, and I've been glad to get to substitute preach a lot recently. It's been really fun. And this summer I've been at an ELCA Lutheran church in a sweet town that's only eight gorgeous miles from where I live. I'm not Lutheran, but they, they've they been fine with me. And mainline Protestant churches are more alike than different, honestly. The scriptures that we use any given Sunday are even the same, too, because... We each mostly use this thing called the revised common lectionary. There are a handful of scriptures suggested for each Sunday that most of us choose to use. The lectionary is on this three year cycle and some scriptures only get read and worship once every three years. Some get more often, they get more play more often, and some like never see the light of the sanctuary because they don't make the cut. Anyway, a couple of Sundays ago, the gospel was one that I honestly didn't remember very well. I know. Shameful for a minister. Totally no. And this was an awesome story, too. It's a short one, so I'll read it real quick. It's from Luke 13, and I swear to you, it plays out like a movie. See what you think here. It is really short, I promise. Please don't like push the fast forward thingy. Okay, so the scene starts with Jesus. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, "Woman, you are free from your ailment." And when he laid his hands on her and immediately she, she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, "There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not the Sabbath day." But the Lord answered him and said, "You hypocrites!" Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to get water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. (laughs) And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. I love that. And the crowd goes crazy, right? I love this so much. Jesus was doing what God called him to do, regardless of the rule about not working on the Sabbath. And the religious leader was repeating, no, no, come back on one of the other six days of the week. Don't come today to be healed. He sounds like such an ass. (laughs) I mean, really, the woman was all bent over and had been for 18 long years, the scripture says, and Jesus healed her for crying out loud. Quit your shouting and give thanks to God already. Hmm. The Pharisees and Sadducees and the synagogue leaders back in Jesus' day were like uptight, judgmental, closed-minded, harsh, moralistic, religious fanatics, right? Not really. That's what we'd like to think, but they were actually just the religious leaders. They cared about God and how they understood how they were supposed to be as people of God was to follow all of these rules, follow the rules of their tradition. They had solid, time-honored systems to know how to like show their devotion to God. They weren't actually crappy people. They were just rule followers. Jesus was the one who came in and was like the crazy guy messing up all the order helter-skelter. What the heck was he doing? Oh yeah, he was just showing us the way of God, that's all. He was healing people he was recognizing people and healing them but to truly faithful people who obeyed the things set forth by their religion he was unbelievably out of line the painful thing here is those of us who are rule followers might be more like the religious leaders in this story Mm. but it was the right thing to do to care more about the poor woman who was hurting and jesus recognized that he cared more about her as a person than obeying the law of the sabbath I totally wanna be like Jesus in this scene, right? But maybe I'm more like the religious leader. So the natural question is, what can those of us do if we are rule followers in a world with people and systems that are bent over with the weight of hurt and brokenness? How do we know when to break the rules? We always like to think about concrete things we can try to do here on To Be Fair. So here is the one big thing of the day. We can focus on the people around us. Nadia Weber is a Lutheran minister in the ELCA denomination who has said that we should never be more loyal to a doctrine than we are to people. Doctrine is the like set of beliefs held and taught by a church. This is what we believe to be true. This is what we think is the right way to think and to behave. Like that's what doctrine is. And Nadia Weber says that the starting point should be the actual reality of people. Given the actual reality in people's lives, their hearts, their hurts and joys and frustrations and pain, we should start with that and then dive into the tradition or doctrine and into the liturgy and the scripture to find something of God that can speak to the actual reality of people. Jesus saw the woman hurting and he focused on her. He started with her hurt not the doctrine of his faith tradition that said he shouldn't work on the Sabbath. The rules that can be broken are ones that don't focus on the reality of God's people. The denomination from which I come has long professed that God is still speaking. God has spoken, yes, and God's people have spoken. Thank goodness, that is what we have in the Bible. But God didn't stop thousands of years ago. God is with us and in us and is still present in the world, thanks be. And God is still speaking. And it is our job to have ears to hear and to respond. Here's what I know to be true from the last year of my life. We can hear God better when we listen. When we quiet ourselves, breathe and be still, we can hear. I know that this is going to sound elementary, but I swear that this last thing has helped me so much and I want to share it with you. I used to think that I needed to cram as much as possible into every day. I feel called to help the poor and oppressed through fair trade, and the pressure I put on myself to help more and more people made me a weighted-down woman with a frenzied pace. I lamented having to sleep. I truly did. I hated it that I had to sleep, which is ridiculous. All I wanted to do was a better job with fair trade so more people could get out of poverty. And I had a list of to-dos that was impossible. All the things crammed into day after day. During my recentering this last year, I read this piece of wisdom. It is a good practice to put space between things. That's it. Put space between things. When we have space, we can be present more easily. We can recognize more, and I swear to you, we can sense God more easily. We can hear God who is still speaking we can more easily know what's right and what's wrong and what rules to break to make more rights in the world. May that be so for you and for me, friends. Thank you again so much for listening today. I hope you found something to be helpful here. Until next time, I hope you'll take good care. I'm Amy Kaye and this has been To Be Fair.